Good morning and welcome to First Church. Uh, first of all, we just want to say thank you to Brittany Bumbar for providing that wonderful prelude this morning. Uh, she's not the only guest musician that we'll have with us today. Uh, playing the offering later in this service will also be Olivia Lammers, and we're so excited to have both of them here with us this morning. Uh, there's just a couple announcements I want to uh, point out for us in our bulletin this morning. Uh, there is a rose on the altar in honor of Jerry and Sue Lehman, who are celebrating 52 years of marriage today. So happy anniversary to them. Uh, also, immediately following this service, there will be a mission trip fundraiser luncheon in the ministry center. We invite you all to stick around and join us uh, for a German lunch. We'll be serving brats and sauerkraut, homemade German potato salad, homemade German chocolate cake, and, and more. Um, you're invited to come and stay and, uh, or carry out if, if that's what you need. And all donations today will go to help support the, the travel costs of the group that is traveling to Germany this summer and working at the 3C Project, uh, which is one of the mission groups that we support here at the church. Uh, we're well, also excited to have uh, Kathy and Doug McLean here with us this morning. Uh, they're going to be sharing a little bit about their mission, um, their ministry in Germany uh, during the service, but they'll also be expanding on that during the lunch. So if you would like to hear more about what they do and, and what the 3C Project um, supports uh, in Germany, um, stick around for the lunch and, and you'll get to hear more and see some pictures of, of the project and everything as well. So um, that's all happening uh, following the service today. Uh, let's stand and, and hear God's word um, in the call to worship this morning. It comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God, the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's continue standing and sing number 52, O God, our help in ages past.
reminder of God's faithfulness in the past and His continued faithfulness to us today and in the future. As Pastor Tori is coming forward and, and the children for Children's Church, I encourage you to take a moment. Man, that was really, really weak. Good morning. Awesome. Are you guys all tired from fair? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for being honest. Um, so, how many of you saw one of these at the fair? Yeah? How many of you maybe got a balloon at the fair? Did anybody get a balloon? You can come over here. Come over here. Okay, you can stay there. Um, so, what are some things we can do with a balloon? We can pop them. We can pop them. I do not like popping balloons. What else? Ride on balloons, like a hot air balloon? Yep, absolutely. What else? What about when we go to a carnival and we get the really long balloons and they tie them into really funny shapes? You know, balloon animals, right? We use them to decorate at our birthday party. So a balloon kind of represents like a celebration, right? Well, sometimes uh, balloons can bring us a lot of happiness, right? But sometimes they can bring us some sadness. Have any of you ever had your, your, like, your favorite balloon pop and you were really sad? Yeah, or a balloon animal pop that you had just gotten and you got really sad. Yeah. Um, well, sometimes you and I are like this balloon. Uh, sometimes we can get full of ourselves. Sometimes we can think we're a little bit better than we are. Um, and so we become like this balloon. So someone says, oh, you're really smart. And then we walk around and we think, man, I am really smart. And so our balloon just keeps being filled. And then someone gives you another compliment and says, you're really good at that game. Yes, I am really good at that game. And it just keeps getting filled up and filled up and filled up. And what happens if we fill a balloon too full? It pops, right? Um, And sometimes when we think too much of ourselves and when we boast too much about ourselves, we get all puffed up like this balloon, right? And only one thing can happen, right? The air's got to go somewhere. And so if we get too full of ourselves, sometimes something happens and we get deflated, right? Um, and so sooner or later, something might happen that, you know, kind of knocks us down a couple notches. Uh, James chapter 4, Pastor Joel is going to talk about that uh, this morning, talks a lot about pride. Uh, and James warns us not to think too highly of ourselves about the things that we're doing um, or the things that we're going to do. So maybe your dream is to be a big basketball star or whatever. Um, but to remind us that uh, God is the one that helps us get to where we go in life, right? God is the one who gives us the talents. God is the one who gives us the abilities to be a really good basketball player. But we have to remember that we have to give him all the glory or else we become like this balloon and get too puffed up, right? Um, So whenever you see a balloon, I want you to think about that, not to be too puffed up, okay? Uh, Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for all these children that are here. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would remind us um, not to be uh, too boastful, Lord, in our own talents, but to give all the glory to you, Lord. because you are the one that gives us our talents and our gifts and our abilities, Lord. Um, Lord, I pray that we would use those for your glory. We love you so much. Amen. Have a good week, guys. Keep in mind the family and friends of the following servicemen lost this week. First of all, in support of Iraqi operations in Kuwait, We lost Technical Sergeant David Board, 49, 
from Bourbonsville, West Virginia, killed in Afghanistan in the province of Kandahar this week, were Sergeant Michael Jonathan Hunter, 23, from Columbus, Indiana, Specialist Christopher Michael Harris, 25, from Jackson Springs, North Carolina. In addition, lost at sea this week, a sailor from the USS Thetham off the coast of Japan, and three Marines lost at sea off the coast of Australia. Thank you, Jay, for that reminder to, to pray for our servicemen and women uh, who are serving us in, in many ways that we, we don't know and understand. So thank you. Uh, this time, before we go to the Lord in prayer, uh, I, I just want to invite Doug and Kathy McLean, or one or both of you, however, whoever's going to be sharing, can come on up. Uh, they're going to be sharing a little bit about their, their ministry in Germany, as I mentioned earlier. Um, they, these are uh, missionaries that they support, and, and Kathy may look a little familiar to many of you. She was the German teacher here in New Knoxville for, for many years, so she's a familiar face as well. So we're so glad to have you here. Um, got some time to share, and then when we're done, we'd love to pray for you as well. And I'm, I'm basically the one with her, so. Um, yeah, we, uh, last time we were here, we talked to you about how um, God called us into the ministry, how we were sitting in our home church, and a missionary was speaking about the, uh, how spiritually dead Europe was, and especially Germany. And God touched us both at the exact same time. We looked at each other, we had the same look in our eyes, and we knew right then that we were going to, it wasn't going to be long and we were going to be in Germany. So we've been there now 22 months, and I'm still learning German. Uh, the problem with Germany is you learn the high German, and then you go back to your home area, and there's dialect. And we're in one of the three worst dialects, most difficult. Like you say, Guten Morgen, they say Moisia, and you got to pick all this. It's, it's crazy, but... Um, Anyway, um, I want to talk to you, we want to talk to you more about, you know, what we've done over there. And uh, I want to start out with ABWE strategy. How, how do we reach the world for Christ? And, of course, you focus on the individual. You're bringing people to Christ individually, um, and you're discipling them. So you're looking for people that, that will come to Christ and then share with others so that it multiplies. Um, and then... As that happens, you begin to plant new churches, and those new churches then eventually plant new churches, and you get a whole uh, movement, church movement going, but that's not the end goal. The end goal is when uh, you take your strategy of, and you plant it in another culture, whether it's inside the country or in another country, and now another culture is uh, being reached for Christ. And you keep doing that till you reach the whole world. And that's, that's ABWE's strategy. makes a lot of sense. Um, but Kathy's going to talk more about what we're doing. We've been planted as such in Pirmasens, Germany. Pirmasens is a town of about 60,000 people located in southwest Germany, about 10-minute drive from France. And there <clears throat> at the church that we've been placed in, the people are, there's about 30 people that when we started, and they were all but three people were age 50 and older, and then there were three younger people. And you can't really build a church with people who are fading out. That's a problem. And so it was evident that we needed to get involved in 
the lives of young children nor to bring young families into the church. So much like your wonderful Wednesday program that you guys do during Lent, we began a program after school on Mondays where we reach out to these children who come to two different uh, elementary schools. I kept thinking the word in German. Elementary schools in the area of our church, and they come after school on Mondays where we teach them a little Bible story, And we work with homework, we play games, we cook sometimes, we do craft projects. In December, we've organized a a Christmas outreach play that Doug and I were part of there with the kids to help reach their families. We now have one younger family with two small girls and some younger people probably around the age of 30, about two other individuals. So this is starting to work, but we're trying to reach that town in that way. Pyramusins is, is an economically depressed city. It used to be 60,000 people. It has lost, it was the center of the shoe industry, the shoe capital of the world. It has lost that trademark as the factories moved to cheaper labor in China, Italy. We understand how that went to Mexico here, but that kind of a thing happened in Pyramusins and also the army base that was formerly there left right before the turn of the century, and therefore 20,000 people have left. So the people in Pyramusins are kind of economically depressed. Many of them are on social help or economic help from the government. One of the other things I do at Pyramusins Church is I'm involved with the ladies' ministry. We have a ladies' Bible study that meets every other Thursday, and we're, seeing, we're reaching out to a couple of new ladies. They do not attend the church yet, but God is working in their hearts. Um, well, one of them does attend the church. And then another ministry that I do is we are also affiliated with the 3C Center. You'll hear more about that. At lunch, we go, I drive 30 to 45 minutes, depending on how fast it's going on the Autobahn, um, to Kusel Church, where they have more of an outreach to the refugees. We arrived in Germany about the same time that lots of refugees were coming from war-torn countries and political asylum seekers, and they didn't know the German language. And so I am teaching German to presently three refugees, one from Iran, one from Afghanistan, and one from Eritrea, which is north. East Africa, and none of them speak English, but we're working at getting them to learn German, and two of those young men, the man from Afghanistan and from Iran, accepted Christ earlier at the beginning of this year and were baptized in February, and we rejoice with that. So um, some of the things, whoop, I hear that, Uh, some of the things I'm involved in, of course, the main thing is learning the language, and I'm I'm advancing pretty well, but I've still got a little ways to go. Uh, hopefully by next year I won't be in class anymore. I'll be far enough along. Um, also, I'm, I've been working on the building, but my classes have taken me away from that recently. We're meeting three hours a day, five days a week in the middle of the day, and when when can you get to the building to work at that point? Um, also, we're, I'm involved in a men's group, like uh, the three or four churches that we work with uh, we have a single men's group that every quarter or every month or however that works out, we try to do something uh, with them. And we had a cookout once. And But anyway, um, the, in the future, when my German gets better, I'm looking to, to, to be one of helping out with preaching and teaching. And the main thing I want to do is try to get the church moving um, to see that God's not done with Pyramusins. Yeah, there might not be any Christians hardly there, but uh, we need to pray and we need to get um, get out there in, in outreach. And that's one of the things I want to be 
uh, looking at. I want to share two verses quickly. Um, one is Second Corinthians five, seventeen to twenty, and maybe I ought to hold it. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away; behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of recon- reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were entreating through us. And I believe that's, that's for all of us. I believe we're all missionaries. We have, God has happened to call us to Germany, but you're in a position, wherever you are, that's unique. And God can use you to reach people and uh, uh, for Christ, and uh, um, can, it, it can change their whole eternity. Um, and then um, Romans ten thirteen to 15, For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they, pre- and how shall they preach Unless they are sent, just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings a good thing. Same, same idea there is, how are people going to know? How are, how are they going to um, be able to get to heaven you know, and, earn, um, and, and accept God's salvation that he has for them unless we ourselves go out and speak? Um, it says unless they're sent. Well, that's in our case, but I believe... Uh, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 has commissioned all of us. And uh, so I just want to encourage you with that, that, uh, uh, you know, we bring in missionaries in all our churches, and it's not just the missionaries. We're all missionaries, and uh, we need to be doing God's work. Um, real quickly, we want to thank you for th- this church has been a tremendous support to us, and we really, and in all areas, financial, prayer, everything. And, uh, and uh, we, we're just so encouraged. Um, the other thing is we're, we're going to be speaking more. But if you want to hear more uh, one-on-one, um, if you want to um, find out how you can be a part of the team, either in prayer, uh, if you, to get our newsletters, um, we'd be happy to sit and talk to you. And you could call Connie at the church office. I already asked her. She said it was okay. So, and she'll pass, pass it along to us. And we'd be glad to come and talk to you. So, um, so glad that you're here with us today, and thank you for sharing about your ministry and all that you, uh, all that God is doing through you and through uh, through the church uh, in Germany. And so, um, we just want to take a moment to pray for you and and also lift up the other requests that we have before us today. Barry, if we pray, Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you that that you brought Doug and Kathy here um, to share about their ministry and what you are doing in and through them uh, to reach the people of Germany. And so, I pray that you. Uh, provide for them, equip them, Lord, to, to carry out that work. And, and thank you, Lord, for the reminder that we're all called to ministry. We're all called to reach the people um, that are near us, that you've placed in our lives. And so I pray that, that we'd all be encouraged and challenged by that as well. I pray for their financial support, that you provide for them, Lord, whatever it is they need. And also, um, Lord, that you'd surround them with people to pray and lift them up in, in, in that way as well, because we know 
um, for that for missionaries, Lord, that is that is such an important thing to know that there's people praying and, and lifting them up before the Lord. So I, we do that now, but pray that we continue to do that as even even beyond this day, Lord. Um, we lift up these other requests to you, Lord. There's there's plenty of names um, in our bulletin, uh, people that we've been praying for for some time, and Lord, there's there's names that aren't listed there that that we know need prayer. Um, even this morning, I've heard of of several cases of, of people who are in need of healing and need of prayer, and Lord, so you know what's going on. You know what they need, and so we pray that your will would be done in those situations, that you would, you would work and act and move um, as the compassionate, loving, uh, grace-filled Father that we know that you are. Um, and so we put our trust and our hope in that. We pray all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This time I invite those who are helping with the offering to come forward. Uh, the offering today supports the general fund here at First Church. And once again, we're going to be having a guest pianist with this morning, Olivia Lammers.
you would continue standing today as we hear the scripture, which comes from the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. You may be seated. Thanks, Adam. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are God. Thank you that we are able to come here and to to gather together as your body and worship you this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to sing your praises, uh, to hear your word read, uh, and to come to you now in prayer. Uh, Lord, it's such a privilege uh, to do that, and I pray that we don't take that for granted. I pray now that as we open your word together, that we would uh, learn something about you, Lord. Uh, but even more than that, take what we've learned and, and see how it applies to our lives. And pray that you would open our hearts and minds to, for that this morning. In Christ we pray. Amen. So this uh, message we have before us today, this text, it, it begins a new section in the book of James, something that we've been you know, studying together throughout the summer. Uh, kind of got a turning point. We're obviously more than halfway through the book if you've been following along. And, and, we're, and James begins to turn a little bit of a page here uh, for us. The last several weeks we've been talking about um, so specific issues that, that James was, was addressing in the church people dealing uh, with, with issues with their, with their speech and their language and that it was tearing people down instead of lifting them up. And issues like that, um, wisdom that is, is worldly wisdom instead of godly wisdom. And, and, and the call last week was then to submit ourselves to the Lord, to be humble before Him um, and, and instead of seeking our own advantage or seeking our own gain. And so uh, the next couple of weeks we're going to kind of continue on the theme, but begin to take a little bit of a shift. And, and James is going to be addressing a worldview here. Um, and it's a worldview, I think, that we continue to struggle with today. And that's why I, I bring this up. Um, over the next uh, couple times where I get a chance to preach, uh, we're going to look at um, this section here at the end of chapter 4 and the beginning verses of chapter 5, where uh, James addresses a worldview in which God is basically ignored. Where God's role in, in the life of the individual and in the life of the church is, is not even considered even. Um, it's not even, like I said, God is ignored in that sense. Um, so today we're looking at how uh, we often fall into a, a mode of self-reliance where we, we try to do everything ourselves. We try to plan our own future, course the, the events of our, choose the own course of the events of our lives without even considering God's hand in that. And, and in the opening verses of chapter 5, we'll see the issue of self-indulgence, living life um, and choosing to, to pursue our own pleasures instead of seeking to honor God. And then after that, we'll see what our faithful response should be, um, which is patient and trusting endurance in the Lord. It doesn't, James doesn't explicitly say it here, but one of the underlying issues in this passage and in the one that opens uh, chapter 5 are, is the issue of, of wealth and the issue of how to, how to handle the wealth 
that we experience in this life. Now, that was not a common issue for many Christians at the time. Uh, we know from reading our Bibles and, and, and a little bit of church history that, that many people in the early church were poor, right? They didn't, and, and a lot of people in that world, in the world that day, uh, did not have much money, did not have any savings of any kind, were working day to day for their existence. But there were some people, and there were some people in the church that were more well off than that. These were the, the merchants who had often uh, travel from city to city and sh- set up shop and, and sell their wares. And then when they spent some time in that city, they travel on to the next one. And so some of these, some of these merchants um, apparently became Christians and, and decided to follow Christ. And so I believe James here is, is speaking to those people. He's speaking to Christians, people who are followers of Christ, um, but they're part of this more wealthy merchant class than necessarily the, the poor day-to-day workers that, that comprise much of the early church. And I bring that up because uh, the issue of how to handle our wealth is something that we as American Christians need to consider. Right? America is the by far the richest country that has ever been known in this world. We, the poor in our country are rich by many other standards of living throughout the world. And I think that at times we have not handled that very well as Christians. We have not handled the blessing of, of, of the, the wealth that, that we have received. And we've, we've had struggles with hoarding it for ourselves instead of sharing it with others as God calls us to do. When God calls Abraham all the way back in Genesis 12, he, he tells Abraham that he will bless him not for his own sake, not for Abraham's sake, but he will be blessed in order to be a blessing to other people. I believe that's the call that God has placed on us as Christians, that he blesses us so that we can bless others. Unfortunately, though, it's tempting for us to put our trust in our own wealth, in our own financial security and stability, instead of trusting in the Lord. I had a chance to sit down with Kathy and Doug on Friday um, in the office, got to know them a little bit. And during our conversation, this, this quote came to mind. And for the life of me over the weekend, I could not figure out where I read it or where I heard it. But I'm pretty sure it's, I have a good understanding of what it was. I was hoping to get the exact wording. But, in gen- but, but um, it was a missionary speaking to a Christian who was in a, a part of the world where Christians were per- being persecuted. So a follower of Christ who was in danger of... of of harassment and danger of beatings and danger possibly of even being jailed or losing his own life. And yet his, his faith in the church that he belonged to was thriving. And this person looked at the missionary and said, we handle our persecution better than you handle your prosperity. And ever since I read the quote, that hit home. Because I think how often do we as American Christians think, oh man, you know, we're uh, we're so well off and, and, and we don't think about how, how the rest of the world, you know, we pray for those persecuted Christians. We pray for them and think, oh, how terrible to be in a situation like that. But yet their, their faith is real and strong and thriving. I'm not wishing, wishing persecution on anybody, of course, but, but how often do we look at ourselves and, and look at the blessings that we have received by, by the very fact that we happen to be born in this country and yet we take those things for granted. We become very comfortable and we think that, that, that we, we don't take that opportunity to trust in the Lord. Instead, we, we trust in our own ability to, uh, to find financial security or, or, or we think that we are in control of our lives because of, of, of that financial security that we have. 
And so what James here is calling them to do, and I believe calling us to do, is to avoid boasting and worldly accomplishments. And instead, we need to trust the Lord. And that's a lesson that we need now more than ever. You see, the, as James points out here, we're not as in control as we think. We have this sense of, of pride thinking that we are in control of our lives. That if we just do X, Y, and Z, that things will work out the way we expect them to. That we can plan our lives and that everything will fall in place. And that if we just go, by, go do these certain things and go in this certain direction, that everything will work out well for us. And so James here is addressing people that are that have that mindset. They're deliberate. They're self-confident planners, and they're even very sure of their outcome. Right? We're going to go to this city. We're going to we're going to do these things, and we'll make money. They have a sense of self-determination. But how often do we have that same approach to life? You know, we we decide we're going to do this, and 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 we have it all mapped out. And we think that it's going to go just according to plan. I remember in my own life as, as uh, growing up in, in youth group in high school, uh, I had several people uh, point out that, man, you would make a good pastor. Like, I feel like God is leading you in that direction. And I thought, no, there is no way that is going to happen. And I spent several years planning on being a teacher. Right? I went to college initially to be a math or physics teacher, and I pursued that. But eventually I realized that I was pursuing my own will. I was pursuing my own desire and, and, and God finally got my attention and, and uh, well, here I am today. You know, you see the end result of that story. But I had my own idea of how my life should go or what my life should look like instead of consulting and looking to the Lord for guidance. But we do the same thing with our checking accounts and our bank accounts, right? If I just have this much money in the bank, things will really turn around for me. I save up X amount of dollars for the next few years and, and I can do this thing. Save up a certain amount of money by a certain time so we can retire and really begin to enjoy life. Right? None of those things are necessarily wrong. Don't, don't hear me. Don't, don't think I'm, I'm saying that to plan or to save up are bad things. And I don't think that's what James is saying here. But it's that sense of self-confidence, that self-reliance that I can do it all myself. That I have no need for God. That it doesn't matter what His will is or it doesn't matter what His plan is for my life. I'm just going to do my thing and hope that God blesses that in return. Right? We may not say it with those words, but we do that all the time. We think that we can control uh, our lives and control what happens. So as I said, James isn't speaking against making money. Right, he's speaking against this sense of worldly self-confidence, the self-reliance in pursuit of that goal. James would say that you're missing the point if your sole purpose in life, if the main goal that you have for yourself is to make as much money as you can so you can have that sense of financial security, you're missing the point. When that's the case, your trust is in your bank account and not in the Lord. Is it okay to make money and to save? Of course. That's how God often works through us to provide for us, by, by providing jobs and things like that. So it's good to plan, but, but James is speaking against uh, completely writing God out of those things. Of course it's reasonable and responsible to plan for retirement, to plan family vacation schedules and the like. But James rebukes that human arrogance that's often involved in planning for the future with no regard for God's will or influence in our lives. 
the sense that we can determine our own future. But James says here, our futures are uncertain and our lives are fragile. Unfortunately, and many of us have experienced this, human life is insubstantial and transitory. We lose loved ones. An unexpected illness or job loss just completely derails the course of our lives. Proverbs 27.1 says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Psalm 39, verses 5 through 6 says, You have made plans, excuse me, says, You have made my days, this is someone praying to the Lord, You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Surely everyone goes around like a mere phantom. In vain they rush about, heaping up wealth without knowing whose it will finally be. And then Jesus tells this parable. In Luke chapter 12, he says, speaking to to people, he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. As he told them this par- and then he told them this parable, the ground of a certain man, certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no plans to store up my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Notice, I think the last line is key there, where Jesus is interpreting the parable for them. The issue isn't people who have storehouses. right? The issue isn't people who have bank accounts. The issue is that people who store up for themselves, who hoard things for themselves without any regard for God. The issue is for people who plan their lives and think that they can run things on their own time and on their own schedule, but have no regard for what God may desire in their lives. That's the the warning that James here has for us in this passage as well. But he also provides a solution. The solution is not to trust in ourselves, but to trust in God and His sovereignty. Because ultimately, He is the one who is in control. In verse 15, he says that we should qualify all of our plans and all of our statements by, by saying that if it is the Lord's will, we will do these things. That's a sentiment found throughout the New Testament. Part of the Lord's Prayer that we pray together every week says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, but Thy will, right? The Lord's will be done. That's what we're praying for when we pray that prayer together. I think it's interesting. James here says, The Lord wills it, right? He could have... the common sentiment in that day, a common religious sentiment, not just for Christians, but for, for most religions, was this idea that the gods or the God was in control, right? And so they would often have that sentiment that if the gods will it. Uh, but what James does here is he takes that same, that common sentiment that people would understand, but he, he doesn't just refer to the gods in general, he refers to the Lord. I think it's interesting that he says Lord here and not just God because Lord also brings about this, this connotation of, of him being in charge and not us. Right? What we do when we call Jesus Lord is we say that he is in charge. We are under his authority and not our own. We may not think about it in that way. It took me a long time to kind of come to that realization. 
But when you refer to someone as Lord, you're saying you're in charge. I'm not. And when we talk about making Jesus Lord of our lives, that's what we're talking about, is giving over, giving ourselves over to His will. Our lives are not only ours to determine, they're also in the hands of God. The world is not a closed system. You guys know what I mean by closed system? I remember, as I mentioned, I was a physics major for a while in college. A closed system, when you do an experiment, a closed system means that, that all the influence of that experiment will come from within the experiment, right? You're going to set things up and all the power that you need, all the, all the energy you need to make that experiment happen is going to come from within the system. There's no outside influence whatsoever. An open system is you set up the experiment, but then you add something into it. You add a catalyst. You add something that's going to make that experiment happen. And so when I say our world is not a closed system, I mean that there's, you know, we often think of ourselves just in the sense of material materialism, right? What we see is what we get. But the world is so much more than that. The spiritual realm, which is God's domain, brings meaning and ultimately determines the material physical realm. God is real, right? And, and God has an influence in this world. Our very breath is, is dependent on God. None of us are guaranteed the next year, the next day, or even the next moment. It's all in God's hands. How much more so are future plans? For our very life is dependent on, on the Lord. How much more so the plans that we make with this life? I think we have a great example of what it means to submit uh, to God's will and Jesus himself. In Luke chapter 22, we see the description of him praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the very night that he was betrayed and was about to be arrested. And Jesus himself, the Son of God, was so worked up about what was about to happen, was so anxious about what he was about to go through that the, the Gospel of Luke describes him sweating blood. But yet Jesus himself was able to kneel there and pray. And, and I believe that it was there as an example for us. Jesus saying, if there's any other way, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. That's what it looks like to live a life submitted to God's will, looking to him for guidance. The problem is that we often are too arrogant to acknowledge that. We're too, we're too uh, focused on ourselves and too focused on our own plans to acknowledge God's will in our lives. And some of you may be sitting here thinking, well, I have no idea what God's will is for my life. I've been there before, right? But we can all know what God's will is for our lives. It's pretty simple. And we often overlook it. God's will for every one of us, man, woman, child, student, business person, retiree, is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus said it himself in Matthew. That's the greatest commandment. All the law and all the prophets hang on those two commands. That's for all of us.